is the Screamin' Neemans on Blaze Radio. Yo, 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 it's Screamin' Neemans time here with the Screamin' Neemans on the Screamin' Neemans podcast. It's Blake Neeman alongside Edward Neeman bringing you another edition. And we are getting into some heavy college football season. It's right on the home stretch. And with that, college football playoff hopes are coming alive and also being crushed. And with that, the Pac-12 deemed the Conference of Champions Hasn't crowned a national champion since 2004, let alone made the college football playoffs since 2016. And with that, they are once again most likely out of contention with their lone survivor being USC after both Oregon and and uh, UCLA both dropped their games this past weekend, putting them at two losses on the year. And basically, over the course of the college football playoff history, rarely has a two-loss team ever gotten in to the conference championship. And then you've got USC now with still a tough schedule ahead. They got to face UC- UCLA and USC. Edward, are the Pac-12 chances over? Well, I'll tell you this. The last hope is USC at this point. You know, I thought coming down the pipeline here, we're going to have a heavyweight matchup between UCLA and USC. I thought those were the uh, top two teams to begin with to have a shot at this uh, playoff chances. Um, But as you mentioned, Pac-12 after dark in full effect as Arizona takes down UCLA. And, you know, I think... This is the position you want to be in, though, if you're USC. You have a winnable game now against UCLA. You like to believe that that game just become became that more winnable now with UCLA coming off a loss. And you hope if you're Lincoln Riley and the rest of that USC squad that you can pull through and, and you can you know, put on a good performance to, strength, uh, to, to strengthen your case to be in the playoffs. Yeah, USC is the last hope, but just talking about the Oregon and UCLA losses, those were extremely disappointing if you are the Pac-12. And every single year, the Pac-12 just cannot seem to stay out of its own way. It's always conference opponents ruining the other yeah. conference opponents' chances at the college football playoff. I mean, just speaking of Oregon, a few years ago, 2019, ASU beat Oregon, drew in their CFP hopes. They were number six in the country, and history repeating itself. Their arch rivals, the Washington Huskies, come into Autzen Stadium and beat the Ducks on a late field goal drive to win the game. And then the Arizona-UCLA game, UCLA got outplayed in the Rose Bowl by an Arizona team that's mediocre at best. Arizona has impressed me, no lie, but like this UCLA team was on fire as of lately, and they were rolling on all all cylinders coming off their performance against ASU. I mean, just the the dominant performance DTR turned in there. But then again, you know, ASU creeped in a little bit there at the end of that game, and so that could have been a sign for USC, UCLA's demise. But just in general, USC, they've got to win out, of course, and it's, it's going to be difficult because you, you can't be forgetting about Utah here. Utah is still a top-10 team in the country. They only have two losses on the season, and they have a legitimate shot, maybe not at the playoff, but at ruining USC's Pac-12 championship hopes and CFP hopes. They are the defending Pac-12 champions, and they're still here sticking around, and they have the advantage over USC with um, with regards to the head-to-head matchup. And so if USC drops a game to UCLA or Notre Dame, they could stand a chance at not even making the, the Pac-12 championship, let alone the college football playoffs. So Pac-12 is in some trouble. UCL, USC is the last hope. And not to mention, they lost their star running back, Travis Dye, to an injury. So things are not looking good for the quote-unquote conference of champions. But uh, as far as other college football goes, 
we have some other conference championships shaping up outside of the Pac-12. Lots going on around the rest of college football. Starting in the SEC, we've got an official championship set, LSU versus Georgia. Man, the Tigers have been quite a run, on quite a run here lately. Yeah, and you know, it's been impressive to me the fact of how they've improved as the season went on. After that loss early in the season, I was taking a look at LSU and saying that it's just such a big disappointment after you bring in Kelly and you bring in Jaden Daniels with a season that had so much potential, looking like that it fell apart almost before it got started. But the way that LSU has been able to recover, pick up the pieces, and get things going, you got to give it to them as they really have dug deep in the, in the middle of this season. You know, obviously taking down Bama, big game there. Um, and I'm excited to see how they fare. I think they've been getting better as this season's gone on. I think performance-wise, they're, they're moving with a better tempo. They've cleaned up a lot of their turnovers. And to be honest with you, I think they possibly could be one of the best SEC teams here down the stretch. But I think time will tell. They have a tough task ahead of them. But this is the test that I would like to see them face at this point. It gives you a barometer of where they're at at this point in the season, this late in the season. And I, th- I give him a shot at this one. You could already just take this season as a success for Brian Kelly coming yeah. in for Coach O. And the, after Coach O led the Tigers to arguably one of the best college football seasons in history in 2019, perfect 15-0, had that Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow team. That team was unbelievable. And then just in a matter of he got fired in 2021, and then Kelly comes in here 2022, matter of 10 weeks, revitalizes the program, transformed Jaden Daniels from a Pac-12 competitor, in Pac-12 not nearly the competition the SEC really elevated his game and then you can already take this season as a success because Brian Kelly has struggled to overcome Alabama in the college football playoff with Notre Dame and then now he's able to overcome them here at LSU overcome that that challenge and that monkey get that monkey off his back to so to say and I think LSU really just has the potential with where they're located in Louisiana one of the best high school football prospect producing states in the country to just continue to uh, pick up recruits, pick up high-level talent in the transfer portal, and I'm excited to see what they do, both here against the top dog in the SEC championship and then also just going forward in general in the future. But also another championship game that's set is an inter-Carolina battle. Clemson versus North Carolina. UNC trying to pose a challenge against Clemson. Clemson probably out of its CFP hopes, and I don't know, I mean – Clemson has been on the ropes here a little bit lately this season with a couple close calls here and there and then obviously losing to Notre Dame in pretty bad fashion. I don't know how much longer this Dabo Sweeney reign lasts. Yeah, you know, you mentioned it, Dabo Sweeney. He had a fantastic program really over the better part of the past five years. And this is a team that this year has kind of dropped off a bit. And if you're Dabo Sweeney in this Clemson organization, you're definitely looking for something to change and a switch to flip. Because if you're Dabo Sweeney, I think that potentially this could be your last last breath here if you if you can't pick up a win and pick up the pieces here. You know, they handled Louisville, you know, as they should have last week, they still have to get through Miami and South Carolina. So you just want to play smart football and get there. Um, so, you know, as as a one-loss team, you like to think that you still have a shot if you're Clemson, but the, the weakened ACC, I think, is going to make it really tough for them to have a shot at things. But what they can do is finish out strong, and if they can put up a really nice performance against North Carolina, I think that they can build a little bit of a case for them to, to possibly sneak in. Probably not but get into a bowl game and stay competitive throughout the last part of the season. 
it's just the too many close losses for me yeah. with Clemson. They had just had too many close calls. And Uyungle at quarterback, I don't know. He just hasn't seemed like the guy like in the past with Clemson having Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Both of those guys were studs, top of their draft classes, and are still finding success in the NFL. I know Watson has had some controversy lately, but Trevor Lawrence is finding his rhythm, and they've produced a lot of good products. And I think um, just he, he was a five-star prospect, don't get me wrong, coming out of high school, but he just hasn't been the guy this year that Clemson has needed and uh, lacking that um, number one like top prospect in the draft class at, at your school um, has really hit Clemson hard and so I, I think it'll definitely be an interesting ACC championship because you know North Carolina has been on a tear they beat Appalachian State in that crazy game earlier this season and um, I'm excited to see what they do they've had quite the season and their quarterback is arguably a dark horse for the Heisman he, he's been putting on a pretty good campaign himself but and then just TCU is set for a Big 12 title chase and they're still undefeated they're they're still in the mix for the college football playoffs sitting at number four so all these championship games set is setting up in the Big Ten it's Ohio State Michigan that game's going to define really much who's the championship it's going to be the championship for the championship we can just put it at that and so Lots of stuff going on in college football. I'm excited to see how things shape up to around the season and how the college football playoff picture shapes up. Lots of interesting matchups ahead as rivalry is just around the corner here next week. But moving on to the NFL, we had one of the best games of all time. Game for a lifetime between the Minnesota Vikings and the Buffalo Bills. It was a crazy ending. I was watching it live it was Stefan Diggs versus Justin Jefferson, a wide receiver battle, and then also a quarterback battle between Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings get down to the half-inch yard line. They nearly punch it in, but they get stuffed at the line by the Buffalo defensive line who thought they made the stop of the century. But then Josh Allen comes in and makes the mistake of the century in fumbling the football at the goal line. And then they recover it for a touchdown. The Vikings go on to kick a field goal in overtime. And then the Bills throw a pick at the end. It was just insane madness. And what a game, Edward. What a game. Yeah, and this is the the thing that I least expect when you get two good teams like this is just chaos like that mistake after mistake and then teams capitalizing on each other's mistakes only to be canceled out by a mistake of their own and like I said just really chaos but when I look at when I look at the Minnesota Vikings I think we need to start to put some respect on their name they are a one loss team that has really played clean football all throughout the year hasn't had any glaring issues on the surface level that we can point to and it's just been a team that I think is still flying under the radar despite them beating teams like the the Buffalo Bills and teams that we were talking about at the beginning of the season being Super Bowl favorites. So that's my biggest takeaway from this is the Vikings are here. They've been tested. They've passed the test, you know, maybe in some shaky fashion, but they're there and, and they're winning games like they should. And I, they're starting to run away with this NFC North. And I think that they're going to be a contender uh, come January when it comes to the playoffs. And you talk about the Vikings putting some respect on their name. I think we lose a little bit of respect for the Bills considering they've had so many close losses here and have been unable to get it done in the fourth quarter. 
And all of those losses pretty much reflect on the part of Josh Allen, and that kind of sets him back in the MVP race. I know the injury was a question, but according to him, the man's own words, that he was fully healthy and that the injury did not play a factor in the loss. So according to him, he was perfectly fine, and so he can't put the blame on the injury if if he's Josh Allen saying it himself. And just with that, he had two interceptions that game, had that fumble in the end zone. Josh Allen's really been coming up short here lately, and he came up short in the postseason last season in that incredible game between the Chiefs and the Bills, and we thought that was the game of the year. And now here we are, here in the fall, moving from the winter earlier this year, and now approaching in November, we get another great game between the Vikings and the Bills. And now it's, it's once again, Josh Allen still on the losing end of that of that um, result, and so it's unfortunate to see one of the league's best players because he he is talented, man. He he was running all over the field in the fourth quarter, and um, I, I'm definitely losing a lot of respect for the Bills considering how close a margin of victory um, and margin of loss they've had. They've just been unable to pull out the critical games, which is what separates Super Bowl champions like they aspire to be from just regular hopeful contenders. But that that's all we got for the game of the year. There's definitely so much more we could talk about, but we're going to move on to a team who may not be so much of a Super Bowl contender, but is kind of in the hunt in who we got on this Hail Mary take of the week. Yeah, and it was a team that I think a lot of people looked at at the beginning of the season being in the hunt, but we're kind of seeing them fade away. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers here in the AFC West, a division that we thought was going to be full of heavy hitters and every team possibly having a shot at the playoffs. Now that we're seeing teams like the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders not put up the numbers that we expected them to see. We have the Los Angeles Chargers at 5-4. and four. A lot of questions surrounding them. Herbert, you know, not bringing this team to the level that many thought they would be at. They have a big test starting on Sunday night as they host the Chiefs at home. So when you look at the season in entirety, I think this can be the game that turns things around for the Chargers. If they can get a win against the Chiefs, a team that many people believe Super Bowl contenders, I think that they can pick up some momentum with some following games that are not the toughest. You have the Cardinals and Raiders bookending after the Chiefs game. I think that we can see a resurgence from the Chiefs team that once again last year looked like they were the team to be on the rise. They were the next team up. Herbert was playing out of his mind and, and really one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last year, seeing regress a little bit. But like I said, if they can get a win here against KC Sunday night at home, I think this can springboard them to a second half of the season that they need to keep their playoff hopes and Super Bowl hopes in the mix. Yeah, because KC has been the hottest team in that division, and a lot of people expected it between the Chargers and the Chiefs for that division. And the Chargers currently sit at, still at second place in that division with this game largely deciding who could get the advantage in that head-to-head type matchup um, for the division championship, so to say. Um, they'll face on a little bit later here in the end of the season, but this could be the momentum shift, as you were saying, for the Chargers. And have definitely been disappointed from Justin Herbert so far this season, and everyone's been talking about how he can't get worse from last season. And that's not necessarily been the case this year, but it's a long season ahead. We're only halfway through, a little over halfway through, so there's definitely still time for the Chargers and them to make it up. Moving on to Neiman's Notables, our favorite parts of the show. We've got Neiman's Notables, Neiman Narcs coming up, evaluating the best and worst performers of this past week. Starting with Justin Fields, Chicago man, Chicago. 
Justin Fields rushed for 147 yards on 13 carries and two touchdowns. The only NFL player with two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and 100-plus rushing yards in a single game. Currently just sixth in the NFL in rushing behind running backs. He, he's a sixth in total rushing, like not just among quarterbacks, with 749 yards on the ground. He has been tearing defenses apart. Yeah, and Bears fans going into this season, I think a lot of expectations were low, but a, th- a thing that was mentioned over and over again was if we can figure out that Justin Fields is the guy after that conclusion of the season, that will be a success. And they have found that Justin Fields, in my opinion, is the guy. He's next up. And murmurs this week of him possibly sneaking into that MVP conversation by the end of the year. Now, whether he is or isn't, I don't know, but he's been playing two good games Um you know, and he's had some flashes early in the season, but really these last two games has separated him from the rest of the pack. And when I look at Justin Fields, I think that he has the potential to be better than Hurts and Lamar Jackson. I know that's a bold statement, but just watch him play. He's been doing things without an O-line, without many receiving weapons, and really without a run game from his running backs either. And he's just been putting the team on his back, doing what he does best, take the ball and run. And I'm also seeing a lot of good things uh, as far as him progressing as an NFL quarterback. He's starting to get better at pocket awareness and knowing when to stay and when to exit the pocket. And he's really been able to showcase his talent. So if I'm, you know, I'm a Bears fan and, and, you know, I just want to see the guy get better and I want to see him keep to, uh, you know, progress as he is. I'm not sure that he's going to be putting on performances like this every week I don't expect him to but if he's able to to steady this ship here in Chicago with all those draft picks and all that uh, money that you guys have had uh, in in free agency and whatnot going into this next offseason I would be an excited Bears fan especially when you look at teams like the Packers starting to regress and and starting to lose some steam it's definitely an exciting time for it to be a Bears fan although they may not be winning there's a hope for the future um, Joel Embiid man career high 59 points against the Jazz to follow up his 42 point showing against the Hawks Joel Embiid once again showing that he's atop this MVP conversation definitely it talks the likes of Jokic like it was last season that was kind of the head-to-head battle and it's definitely going to be noteworthy that he he stays within this MVP conversation and he's definitely going to want to become after the two trophies this year one being an nba championship and two that mvp hardware and speaking of hardware julio rodriguez al rookie of the year just announced leads led all rookies this season in home runs 28 with 28 and total bases with 260 he now joins mike trout as the only players in mlb history with at least 25 home runs 25 stolen bases and an 800 ops in their rookie season not to mention he also joined trout by earning a silver slugger as well i'm really optimistic being a mariners fan just julio's future is so he has so much upside he signed this contract this past season and for 14 plus years he's really committed to this organization and i'm excited to see with them making in the postseason for the first time since 2001 what they'll be able to do yeah and a player that i really got excited with with the home run contests 81 home runs combined and there was you know a whole conversation it should be combined and, and whatnot but i think that was just a glimpse of what is to come with julio rodriguez putting it putting putting it on as a rookie i think he's got a lot of potential and a really high ceiling possibly the highest out of anybody right now in the big leagues 
On to Neiman's Narks. We can always narc on ASU football because they're not very good. Um, they lost to Washington State this past weekend. 28-0 was the score at halftime, and pretty much fans could have left the, the their TVs after that because ASU didn't do too much. Emory Jones came in to play Trent, replace Trenton Borgay, and it's just an overall bad situation now with them being bowl ineligible, and there's really not too much left to play for except the dignity of Coach Aguano and his possibility of being a head coach. Yeah, and I mentioned it before we got on here was you know I am I, I really wanted a guano to do well in this job and I think he's done everything that he has personally needed to do but things just haven't gone his way this season and really Washington State that was uh, every this whole season in a nutshell and just a just a bad situation they look flat and they, they just didn't look like a bull bull ready team at this point Top 25 teams in the NCAA have also not been very good in satisfying expectations Oregon and TCU both lost this past weekend with poor three-point shooting being the narrative of both those teams' losses. Four of 21 from three-point range for Oregon and then for the Horn Frogs, losing to Northwestern State. They shot, they missed 19 of their 21 three-point shots. Feels like three-point shooting has been the trouble for a lot of top 25 teams this season. Yeah, and that's something in this day and age I don't really expect to be a problem as three-point shooting seems to be almost automatic, but uh, I can speak to Oregon at least. I know they have some they have some tough matchups coming. They got Houston and UConn, and then a little later UCLA. So if they can get themselves back on track, I see them uh, hanging around the top 20, 25. But as far as uh, TCU, you cannot lose those easy gimme games at the beginning of the season. And when you see problems in those games, it's a bad sign to come for the rest of the season. Nike. Sue is in some deep waters right now because – Wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. just filed a lawsuit for $20 million claiming that the clothing giant did not honor its commitments. The move comes right after Nike just announced that they were dropping Kyrie Irving as a result of his anti-Semitic film. Brand value versus athlete value is really where I'm at with this, just the brand and their values. I haven't really seen Nike take a stance on their values all too much throughout them being established. They haven't really talked about much uh, regarding social issues and things of that nature, and now they're starting to take a stance. And with the loss of Kyrie, I know that with how many Kyries I see just around shopping and and just watching kids play basketball, especially the youth basketball scene, they're going to lose a ton of revenue from that. And then with OBJ, he is the main football icon for Nike, and it's just a huge loss for the company in, in multiple regards. Yeah, and I'll, I'll speak to Odell at least. I mean, Odell Beckham is a guy that really wants me to buy, really makes me want to buy products. He's just that type of guy. He's a fan-friendly guy. He's a consumer-friendly guy. And for Nike to, to have a shaky relationship and, and with Odell down the stretch here, I mean, you know, you don't like to see it because Odell can be that guy for a company like Nike, and he can really showcase, you know, their products in, in a flashy way that he does. So uh, tough sledding for Nike there, you know, uh, I guess only time will tell. Time will tell. Stock up, stock down. Who who did well, who did not so well? The market will tell us. Stock up for the Green Bay Packers. They came back down double digits going in the fourth quarter, but were able to overcome the Dallas Cowboys and beat Mike McCarthy in his return to Lambeau Field. It's got to be a good feeling for Packers fans after less than optimal start to the season. Yeah, big time win there for the Packers. Like you mentioned, the comeback for me was the biggest thing. Aaron Rodgers able to show that he's still there. I've kind of wrote him off, but I think think that this can be a win to springboard them 
come into the rest of the season. They have, you know, a conference that's that, or uh, excuse me, a division that's shaky. They have a lot of winnable games, and we'll see how they match up here uh, as the rest of the season unfolds. Stock down for last night's Monday night football game, at least for the Philadelphia Eagles, as there are no longer any undefeated teams in the NFL. Eagles' shaky performance against the Commanders, and for them to dominate so many good teams, including the Vikings, who the Eagles handed them their only loss this season, to lose to a team like the Commanders, who's arguably one of the most shaky franchises in the NFL, is pretty concerning. Yeah, and to, to me it was just uh, you could see their inexperience and, and their young talent uh, on display is, is those are the type of games that you can see the inexperience play a role, and we saw that on Monday night is the team did not look like the 8-0 team that we knew them up to this point in the season. Stock up for new head coach Jeff Saturday in the Indianapolis Colts, winning his first game and making that bold move to start Matt Ryan. I, I like it. He's making moves. He's he are, even called out the Raiders a lot earlier this fall, saying that the Raiders stink. And then he comes in, backs up his own tweet, and beats the Raiders. Oh, it was just fantastic. Yeah, and if you're a guy like Jeff Saturday, where well, a lot of people question you coming into this head coaching role to make a, to make some bold moves like that and then get them backed up. I mean colossal move there by Jeff Saturday and an amazing win for him in the department of trying to make a name for yourself in this head coaching role. A sad stock down for the Green Wave. Tulane no longer has its title effect as they fell to UCF Saturday. They now have to face a big test in trying to get to their first AAC championship game and trying to go through the defending champion Cincinnati. It's a tough blow for a new contender looking for its first championship. I mean, UCF and Cincinnati have dominated the conference for four of the past five seasons, and I'd love to see the Green Wave get some action in there. I do too, man. I love Tulane. My guy, Armani Dixon, on, on Tulane's defense. Um, you know, it, it's a tough game. You want to win those games. It was a close one. But UCF, UCF is a team that's good but beatable in the sense of Tulane. And we always got to finish on a high note when it comes to the market. Sar Sacramento Kings, stock up for them. They're on a three-game winning streak, including back-to-back -back wins against their inner California opponents. They beat the Lakers, and then they just beat the Warriors. It's the first time they beat the Warriors after seven straight games in which they've lost. It could be the end to some despair in Sacktown. Maybe they could just make a little run here. De'Aaron Fox is looking really good. All I can say is, have you seen that beam that they have installed on their arena after every win? That beam shoots in the air in Sacramento. I think it's the difference. It's Sacktown, baby. Did you know that stat? Over the course of just three seasons, Justin Jefferson, we were mentioning him earlier, has already accumulated 20 games with over 100 receiving yards, putting him ahead of OBJ and fellow Viking legend Randy Moss for most 100-yard receiving games through a player's first three seasons. Additionally, Jefferson now needs just 88 more receiving yards to pass Moss for the most receiving yards by a player in his first three seasons in NFL history. Wow, it's just crazy how how much he has promised in in this first three seasons, and I'm excited to see how he takes on the league in the rest of the way. Yeah, and a, a great player, uh, a great season for for Jefferson on a great team, a team that's surprising many, and, and maybe his play is also surprising some. Uh, definitely a bright future for him in the Minnesota Vikings as they progress on through these next few years. Shout out to that incredible catch, too. I mean, we talked yeah. about him in comparison to OBJ. Just in statistical-wise, you can start comparing him with the all-time great catch as well.
We've got to finish it off here with the closing bell. Cooper Cup has officially been placed on injured reserve. Is the defending Super Bowl champ season over? I think so. I think the last game against Arizona Cardinals was the nail in the coffin. We saw them get dominated in many facets of the game. And just the fact that they have not been able to get things back on track to where they have wanted at this point in the season, I think it's a too little too late at this point. Uh, the highly anticipated NFL game in Munich did not disappoint with 69,811 filled into the stadium that had a capacity of just 67,000. Should the NFL bring more games to its European partners? It may be difficult for us here Americans having to wake up early in the morning to watch these games, but I love it. It's great for international culture. It should be more than just American football. I want to see, I want to see football worldwide. DJ Wagner, who is ranked by some sources as the top prospect in the 2023 class, committed to Kentucky over the weekend. Thoughts on the decision? Yeah, I believe he committed to Kentucky over Louisville, so a little Kentucky in-state battle there. But Calipari continues his recruiting reign. He brings in amazing class after amazing class. I think it's a good move. I think Kentucky's a storied program that can really highlight your talent and put you in the spotlight right away. So good decision there by Wagner. Uh, Bill Belichick went on a record calling out the NFL in hopes to change the rule that coaches cannot challenge a call in the final two minutes of a game. Do you agree with Belichick here? Oh, I, I completely agree. I think it's important that coaches have a say in the final two minutes. You know, officials aren't perfect, as that was proved against the Vikings versus Bill games. And uh, it, it, agreeing with Bill, commenting on the Bills in Gabe Davis, he, there's definitely got to be a rule change there because uh, officials are human too. Top 10 Blue Blood rivalry matchup here tonight. Duke versus Kansas. Who we got? Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I got the Jayhawks here coming out with another uh, potentially national championship season. I like their chances in this one. I would say Kansas, but they're without Bill Self tonight. And I think with lacking that leadership, I mean, I'm liking the new leadership out of John Schreier and what he's doing at Duke. It could be a new era for the Blue Devils, but I'm taking the Blue Devils. And similar to the Sun Devils, they're the opposite of that. And I, I like them tonight against their Blue Blood rivals in Kansas. But that's going to do it for this edition of Screaming Demons. We'll try and get more in the next time. You can catch more of the Screaming Demons on our podcast, Apple podcast spotify and anywhere else you where you may get your podcast appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you all next time